0: I want to say that it is good to be with you this evening. We're glad that you're here. Hopefully, we'll say something that you'll be able to use as you go along life's way, and maybe something to ponder and think about, and maybe we can serve the Lord a little better in the future than perhaps we have in the past. I want you to know I've really enjoyed all these young people being here and being a part of this gospel meeting. Brother Jim's part has come to an end. I was hoping he got one more at least, because if nobody else got good out of it, I was, and uh, but he's done a bang up job in the mornings with that. And, and I'll tell you, Jim, my father-in-law used to, we'd go take care of some church business. And he would invariably look at me and go, now Marlon, just try not to make a mess out of this. <laughs> and so you've done so good, I'm going to try not to make a mess out of it for you. So, But we're glad that you're here and hopefully we'll have something to say that you can use. In John 21, starting in verse number 14... Now this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. And so when they had died, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. And we'll go read the rest of this here in just a little bit. But Simon Peter had to be dying on the inside. Have you ever messed up so royally that you just felt like God couldn't forgive you? Have you ever messed up so bad that you didn't even want to be around the presence of God? You know, Adam, when he messed up, he had fellowship with his God in the garden. And when he messed up and he ate that forbidden fruit, you know what Adam finding himself doing? He was hiding from his God. That's what he was doing. And so people can actually, we mess up and we just want to hide from our God. Peter had to be dying inside. I want to go back to the Last Supper. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Now here comes the boast. Here's the pride. Lord, I'm willing to go with you to prison and to death. Now Peter made that boast, but Peter had never been tested. You know what, it would be very presumptuous and prideful of me to say had I been in his shoes, I wouldn't have done that. I've never been tested with something like that. Have you? We look at these characters of the Bible and we say, well, if I'd have been there, I wouldn't have done that. And we've never been in that situation. You know one thing I've learned to tell people? Somebody has a spouse that dies. I don't tell them I know what you feel. You know why? I don't know what they feel. I don't know what they're going through. I haven't experienced that. And it's awful prideful for me to say, I know how you feel when I haven't gone through that. But Peter, I'm I'm sure he was sincere. Lord, I'm going to prison and to death. Now, if you look at Matthew's version about chapter 27 you'll find that not only Jesus told him before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me thrice. Not only did he deny him, but Matthew records he denied him with cursing and swearing. You think Peter saw himself being in that situation? Did you think that Peter ever thought in a million years with cursing and swearing? And this is the mighty apostle? This is the guy that's gonna have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This is the guy that was called a rock. And his first test, he denies his Lord with cursing and swearing. You ever failed? You ever messed up? You know, I heard a story years ago. Now, I did not grow up in the church, so this was in the denominational world. They had a young preacher, and he had been around her, boy. And I want you young people to know these little, gray-haired, these little old gray-haired people you're looking at, they weren't always little gray-haired old people. And some of them have been rounders and they've been through it. And when they tell you something, they know what they're talking about. But this young preacher, he gave his life to the Lord and, and he was pretty good at, at giving sermons. And a little church in the country hired him and one day he was up on a Sunday morning and he was preaching his heart out and he was talking about how he loved the Lord and he hated Satan and he got to talking about how bad Satan was and he let out a string cuss words that long. He realized what he'd done, he shut his Bible, walked out the side door, went out into the parking lot and wept bitterly. An old man, probably the oldest member of that congregation come walking to the front and looked at the congregation and said, our preacher's, had a hard life. And he's got things he needs to overcome. Now here's what I think we're gonna do about this. We're gonna call him back in here and give him a raise. Now, don't go swearing. (laughs) You know, well, I mean, desperate people do desperate things, right? That had to be a low point in his life. It had to be a low point in Peter's life We were driving down the road, and I've told a few of you of this. It it made an impression upon me. Bev and I are driving down the road, and I've got my little five-year-old granddaughter in her car seat in the back. And somebody did something weird out in front of me. And I told Bev, I said, look at that. Isn't that stupid? And all of a sudden, she pops up and goes, granddad, we don't say bad words. Those are bad words, granddad. And you shouldn't say it. And then she goes, Granddad, if you say bad words and I hear it, I could repeat it at any time. (laughs) The tongue is an unruly evil that no man can tame. It sets on the course of the fires of hell. Now, some of the words that we use as adults, if you hear them coming out of the mouth of a five-year-old, it's not too good, is it? So Peter found out not only was Simon Peter failing the, the test... He did it with cursing and swearing. I understand the pride. I understand why he made that boast. If you ever made a boast and then had to eat your words, you know, there used to be an old saying, keep your words soft because you may have to eat them. I had a young lady that was about 12 years old teach me a lesson in humility. She's from the Houston area and she wanted to obey the gospel and her family wanted to know if she knew enough to obey the gospel, and I went and talked to the young lady. And we went over the verses, and she knew them better than I did. And I told him, Yes, she's ready. And she said, Well, I want to be baptized. And I said, Well, let's do, that's great. And she said, I've always wanted to be baptized by a famous evangelist. Craig, the tongue is an unruly evil. <laughs> and I knew better. And I did it anyway. I said, like who? And she said, Bud Jones. <laughs> but since he isn't here, would you do it? <laughs> Sometimes we can get a little prideful about ourselves, can't we? We get to thinking we're something when we're nothing, and the Bible talks about that. Peter had not had that test yet, and here's his first test, and he's been warned. Young people, Every morning you were warned. He knew what was coming. And he failed anyway. Now Peter went out and wept bitterly. But it was done. Now, Jesus is resurrected in Mark chapter 16. Verse 7, he appears to the women and says, Tell my disciples that I'm alive. And go tell Peter, I'll see him in Galilee. What do you think happened when they told Peter that? They went back excited and they told the, uh, the, the disciples, the Lord's alive, the Lord's alive. And he wants to talk to you. <laughs> that was not going to be a good day. Have you ever had something like that happen? Your heart jump into your throat and you feel it in the pit of your stomach. You know Simon was hurting. This, he, is, he has failed his Lord. And he's supposed to be this great apostle. Now the Lord's looking for him. Do you reckon that Peter had any idea? Do you reckon he just had a, maybe a hint of what they might talk about? <laughs> Gets better than that. In John 21 and 3, Peter says, I go a fishing. The rest say, we're going with you. Peter, this was not a vacation for tired apostles. It wasn't that we've been working with the Lord for three years, we've left houses and family, and we've been out here on the road, and we just need a little time off. You know what Peter is saying? Maybe I can get my day job back. Because I'm sure a washout wash out as a preacher. I'm not doing no good there. I done failed the Lord, betrayed my best friend, but cursing and swearing... Maybe at least I can get my day job back. Now, James and John are called the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. You know what I've always wondered? Was James and John the thunder or was it Zebedee when all those guys quit him? (laughs) But they're going back to those fishing boats. That's what they were doing before the Lord called them. And then it gets better than that. He's already a washout as a preacher and an apostle, let alone we're going to write some scripture. you got to be kidding me. He goes back to his day job. He does get his day job back. He goes out and fishes all night, and he caught nothing. <laughs> he can't even do his day job good. What do you think he was feeling? What do you think he was thinking? I want to tell you something when I read this, and maybe you get something different out of it than I do, I see a man that's hurting. I see one that's down and depressed. And he doesn't even know if the Lord wants him anymore. So they're out there, and the Lord tells him that he sees a guy on the shore. And Peter realizes the Lord, and he jumps in. And he swims over there, if you read chapter more of chapter 21. And they set across a fire from each other. Have you ever been in a tent situation? Husbands and wives, have you ever been really miffed at each other and you sat across the table? You know, my dad used to have a saying about that. Man, you could cut the tension with a knife. I wonder what they were thinking. I wonder what Peter was going through when he looked across that fire, that campfire, and he saw the master. But nobody said anything. I'll bet you could cut the tension with a knife. And then the Lord spoke the verse we read. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. Now he does this three times to Peter, and I know that there are theologians that are going to tell you that's in correlation to the three denials, and that may be, I don't know. And Peter actually getting a little aggravated by the end of it, saying, Lord, you know I love you. But you know, when Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And Peter said, then, feed, and then Lord said, feed my, feed my sheep. The weight of the world had to come off that man. As bad as he messed up, Jesus still wanted him now you and I may have messed up before we may have failed the test that God put before us and we may have done it like Peter did and we did it royally Jesus still wants you Jesus still needs you and yes you're not perfect yes you have faults but Jesus wants to use your life I told you at the start of this meeting the thing I want you to learn is God uses imperfect people to do his perfect will. He has to because there ain't any of us perfect. And even after we, you know, Peter, even after he got the Holy, Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, he still messed up. If an apostle that has had the baptism of the Holy Spirit can mess up, you know me and you can If you look at the book of Galatians, Paul talks about him. Peter withdrew himself from the Gentiles he was eating with when those were come from Jerusalem. And Paul said, I withstood him to the face for he was to be blamed. And that's after he got the Holy Ghost. And that's after Cornelius. He messed up. He was not a perfect man. But he was a powerhouse. And he brought souls to Jesus. And Jesus knew Peter. He knew his heart. And he did not say, no, you don't really love me. He said, if you do, then feed my sheep. Now, what do you think, lovest thou me more than these means? Lovest thou thou me more than these? What does that mean? Peter had been out there fishing. You know what Jesus is saying? Peter, is this what you really want to do? He's not going to make him be an apostle. He's not going to make him be a preacher. Peter, if you want to go fishing and you, this is what you want to do, just tell me. Do you know why people are going to be lost and not go to heaven? Because they don't want to. Somebody said, Martin, that's crazy. Nobody wants to die and be lost. No, but they'd rather do other things than this if they really wanted to serve Jesus and follow him, we don't have enough church buildings with enough seats to hold everybody. Sunday morning, I hope that you're coming to break bread, whether you're here or back at your home congregations, wherever it is. I hope you go to worship your Lord. But just look as you go up and down the street what folks are doing. You know what they're doing? They're doing what they really want to do. And they really don't want to go with you. That's why they're there. I got a little brother-in-law in cattle business. and I've worked out on the farm with him for years. and We did, used to haul them little square bales. And you farmers, I've, always, I've never understood why we can't do that in February. And we have to wait until it's July. But y'all won't do it whatever you want to. But we would haul those little square bales. So I'd be off on a meeting like this and I'd come home and it was on a Monday in September. And when my little brother-in-law calls me and says, what are you doing? It's a good idea to be busy. It really is. And I said, man, I've been gone for a week. I'm tired. I've, I've, I've got people I need to visit. They're sick folks. I've got to go to the hospital. I haven't spent time with Bev and the kids. The, I'm throwing a rock to find the house because we ain't mowed the grass. And we, things are falling apart. And I, I haven't run my business and all that. This is in September now on a Monday. And he goes, oh man, i got free tickets to the Dallas Cowboys. I said I'll be there at 4.30. Now, how did all of a sudden my schedule just absolutely get cleared? Because I wanted to go see Dallas play football and I didn't want to haul hay. That's the truth. The truth is I didn't want to go out there and that's why I wasn't wanting to be in the hay field. And the reason I could make, what happened to all them lost people and sick people? They've been lost this long, one more day ain't going to hurt them. The sick ones might get well and I can go see them at home maybe. But I wanted to go see the Cowboys play. We do what we want to do, don't we? If we really want to do something, we usually find a way to do it. I learned this selling cookware. I'd have my demonstration, and then I would talk to a young couple, and boy, the wife loved that equipment. She wanted that. And the husband, he wanted to make his wife happy to a point. Goes, how much is this stuff? And I told him. And he would grab his heart and fall out of the chair. And he'd go, we ain't, we ain't paying that for pots and pans. And I'd feel sorry for him. I'd okay, you okay, know, not everybody can. And maybe you can't do that. And that's cool. And the next week, I'd see this dude in a new one-ton dually pulling a brand-new bass boat with all the equipment. And the down payment cost more than that cookware what happened to I'm broke and then this guy's got the gall to look at the wife and go we can eat the fish I catch we need this (laughs) it's not a want it's a need." no he didn't want the pots and pans he wanted that set up with that bass boat didn't he and by the way I figured up the price he's given about eighty five dollars a pound for that fish that's good fish boys I've had people say, "Marvin, we we just we just broke. We just broke. Me and the wife and the kids and got four kids and we just can't afford stuff." And we go to church and go, "Where are they?" They go, "Well, they went Six Flags." Now, have you ever been Six Flags? Some of you have probably been Six Flags down there in Dallas. If you don't have a Dr Pepper can, it's forty bucks a head. If you can get you a Dr Pepper can, see you're going to learn something tonight you can get in for twenty five so the best this guy could do was get in the door for hundred and fifty bucks before he ever started anything and you know what you get for your hundred and fifty bucks the privilege of buying a ten dollar hamburger and a five dollar coke which they're gonna make you throw up on the next ride what happened i'm broke but now we're on this vacation that's what he really wanted to do what do you want to do? What do you really want to do? Do you really want to serve the Lord? You know, if you do, you will. There was a guy who gave a talk one time. He was talking about making money. And he had told these people, he said, I tell you what, if you really want it bad enough and you want to make a million dollars, you'll make a million dollars. If you want too bad enough. A fellow said, I don't believe that. And he said, Come up here and he had a bucket of water sitting on the table. He said, look in that water. The guy did, and he shoved his head under. And I mean, he came up, and I mean, the fight was on, baby. And that man looked at him and said, when you want a million dollars as bad as you wanted your head out of that bucket, you'll get it. When you want to serve the Lord as bad as you want to draw your next breath, you know what? You'll serve the Lord. Why don't we? Let's quit lying to ourselves, folks. Don't deceive yourself. Don't lie to yourself. You know, even to this day, I do what I want to. I'm here because I want to be. You're here because you want to be. Do you want to serve the Lord? Do you want to go to heaven? What do you really want to do? Lovest thou me more than these? What do you really want to do? Hopefully, you want to be saved, you want to go to heaven, and you want to serve the Lord and help others get there. Now, it gets a little better than that. Lovest thou me more than these? What do you really want to do? Every now and then, we read Matthew 6, Have you ever thought about that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, he's talking about making a living. Have you ever wondered, how do you know If somebody's seeking the kingdom and his righteousness first. Tell you how. Every now and then I'll have a couple come to me, a young couple. And they say, we're going to move off to Timbuktu. You know there really was a place called Timbuktu. It was over in the Sahara Desert in North Africa. And it was a big trading post. Had a lot of water until the well went dry, I guess. And some ruins over there. But I've always told this story with Timbuktu. There really is a Timbuktu. So we're moving to Timbuktu and I'm gonna get a great job and I'm gonna make boatloads of money. I'm going to have, you're gonna to have to send me a wheelbarrow to carry my money around. The wife ain't gonna to have to work no more. Ladies don't ever believe that one. Guarantee you don't believe that one. Our kids are going to the best schools in the country. I'm sorry for your kids. They're gonna be morons where they have to go. And I go, where are you going to church? We'll find something. You know what happens? They go to Timbuktu And the job is just a job. And they're able to spend whatever they make, just like they did before. And the wife has to work. And the kids are just kids and go to school. Until about 15, 20 years later, they call and go, our kids won't go to church. Can you help us? Do you think that's seeking the kingdom first? Now, I have run into, on occasion, young couple comes down, young family, and say, why are you moving there? There's a church down there. They're active. We can grow spiritually. Our kids can be raised spiritual minded. We can bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord with the help of elders and brothers and sisters. And we want to go to that congregation. What are you going to do for a living? We'll find something. Who's seeking the kingdom first? Who's putting it first? You tell me. Let me tell you what Jesus has promised. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When you become a Christian, you become a new creature. Old things pass away and behold, all things become new. You become a new creature with a new heart in Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you something. If you've had a problem with cussing and swearing, you're going to be baptized. It's not going to cure cussing and swearing. You may still say a bad word. That shock you? But I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have a different heart and a different attitude about it. I'm going to give you my definition of repentance based on Romans 12. Be not conformed to this world, be you transformed to the rooting of your mind. Repentance starts in the mind. And it eventually brings about a change in action. What do you do when you mess up? Peter wept bitterly. He realized it, but the Lord still wanted him. He didn't quit. He wouldn't stop. And no, he wasn't perfect. He was a new creature. In Hebrews 8 and 12, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That's what he's offering. There's an interesting verse in the book of Proverbs. The wicked flee when no man pursues. I think it's in chapter 28. You know what that is? That's guilty conscience. <laughs> That's I've done something, I'm hiding it, and I think everybody knows it. He'll take that guilty conscience away. He'll take it away from you. He'll make you a new creature. Now I want you to know, I am not a perfect guy. I'm not. And if you want to talk to Bev, she can enumerate them in order. I can tell you that right now. But you know what, I'm a whole lot different than I was when I first came to the Lord in my teens. Because you've been around the master, he'll change you. He'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a second chance at life. And there's not anybody else offering that. Peter had to be thrilled that this is it. Lovest thou me more than these? What about entertainment? You know, sometimes our schools are called failing situations or public schools. And I remember, <laughs> sorry, I, don't, I think it was Mississippi was ranked 49th. And the guy from Mississippi goes, hey, I'm you, we're improving. We passed Alabama and we're gained on Louisiana. <laughs> we're 49th. You know how to improve your schools on science, math, reading, English, and all that? Do away with football. Now we got an uprising. They'd burn that city down. We are a 3A school with nine coaches, an indoor workout facility, and AstroTurf. When I was around there, we were lucky if they picked up the grass burrs. I'm going to tell you something else. Our coaches on Wednesdays, we had a short workout. They would not dream of working us out for hours on a Wednesday. You know why? Church Wednesday night. And they didn't want to get blamed for the reason your kid didn't go to church was they kept them too long. They wouldn't have dreamed of that. There was no little league soccer, baseball, football on a Sunday. You know why? Church. How have things changed now? We're drunk on sports. Our our state is drunk on sports. Do you know what I'm doing in my spare time? I might as well just be confessing this to you. Here, I'll confess a fault. I've got the Longhorn Network on the cable. And I'm watching, I watched the game just before I come here from 1980. And that doesn't sound that long ago to me. That's 40 years. And the really good one was from 1963. You don't think we have a sports problem? (laughs) I am sometimes more interested in teaching my kid how to run the screen pass and a blitz than I am teaching him about his savior. Do we really got to ask what the problem is? We like entertainment. Now Bev, her deal is movies. I can't hardly stand to go to movies. I really can't, because a lot, I listen to the, the satellite radio all day, and I listen to those actors talk about issues, so to speak, and so I don't want to go watch them and all that, but I go with her because she likes movies. You like going to movies? Every now and then, we'll get a good one. Not very often, but there's every now and then one. Concerts. You like going to concerts? Concerts. Everybody likes good music. What do we do for entertainment? What about watching TV? I'm at the point I'm watching games from 1963 that is over 50, half those guys are dead. (laughs) They left the the university, raised their families, were grandparents, and died. We like watching TV? Let me tell you what, what gets in my way, okay? That kind of stuff doesn't—it's not a real big deal hindrance to me. But there's one thing that I'm super jealous over. And some of you may have the same problem I do. If I have free time, I don't want to be called. If I've got time where there's nothing going on, I want to sit down and I don't want to hear from you and I don't want to hear from anybody else. Do not invade my free spare time. I used to wonder how old people could sit in a chair with no electronics going and be happy. And then I realized how very little they get to do that. And so if I get a chance to, I'm jealous of my spare time. And there may be things that I've needed to do for the Lord. And I'll get to it later. Lovest thou me more than these? Take an evaluation of your own life. You know, time changes everything. Work I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work in John 9 and 4. That's a window of opportunity. Jesus knew it was it was tight. You have a window of opportunity right now that you can serve your God. You have a window of opportunity to get your life right and have your heart changed and become a new creature but that window will close. That opportunity may not be there forever. Take advantage of that opportunity. God has given you talents. Talents are opportunities. Use your talent. Do your job, according to Matthew 25. And the guy with one talent, the least talented among them is the one that hid it in the earth. He was the one that was lost. Sometimes we say, I wish I could be like brother so-and-so. God doesn't want you to be like brother so-and-so. He made you like him. God wants you to be you. And if you've got one talent, you use it. You do your job. Somebody asks, what does God want from me? Can you guys tell me what God wants from me? In Mark 14 and 8. There's a lady that comes to Jesus and she's a sinner or she's bad. And she anoints him with an expensive ointment. Jesus knew their hearts because they were saying in their hearts, if he knew what manner of person that was, he wouldn't let her touch him. And so Jesus knew their thoughts. You know what he said? He looked at that crowd and he said, leave her alone. And this is what he wants from everybody, me included. She had done what she could. That's what you need to do. You need to do what you could, what you can. And don't leave that undone. I have a bookmark that I've carried around for a number of years. I got it down in Harlingen, Texas. There was a little couple, a lady and two, sisters, or two daughters And brethren, they can't go up and down the street knocking on doors. They physically just can't. And obviously, they're not going to be preaching sermons. They don't have a phone. But you know what they do? They make bookmarks and they hand them out with numbers of people that can go up and down the street and do studies. To me, that's a very precious item. And I carry it with me everywhere I go. They have done what they could. Now Jesus also said this. She has done what she could. And wherever this gospel is preached, this will be a remembrance of her. And here we are 2,000 years later. Remembering a lady that just did what she could. You don't got to preach a sermon and baptize 3,000. Maybe you can make a bookmark whatever it is you can do that's what jesus expects of you do what you can what i could i'm going to do what i could now i'm going to ask you a question what do you really want to do you really want to serve the lord if you do come as we stand saying